awesome. We go ahead and be seated. I'm so glad. Welcome out to Next Level Men's Meeting. You know, um, just as a, um, just to kind of let you know where this, where this all started, uh, back in September, I kept seeking the Lord. I kept seeking the Lord uh, along with uh, other, some other men within the church that I've been meeting with and, and, and imparting to and have had the opportunity and just seeking the Lord and about what, what do we need to do in this church concerning the men? Because, you know, what, what, what are you, con- what, God, what are you concerned with concerning the men of, of heritage of faith? And I kept seeking the Lord and, and getting, trying to get direction about, okay, what meeting should we have next or, or what event? I mean, we've done, we've done meetings where we had a lot of meat and we had, a, we had some word. We, we've done, you know, games. We've done sports. We've done uh, all sorts of things. Breakfasts. We've done all those things. Uh, we've, done, we've done outings and, and things of that nature. And the Lord told me this, and I'm, I'm going to read this to you. He says, hallelujah, I'm calling my place here. He says, in the past as men's ministry, we focus, you focus on putting events on three to four times a year. He said, this year, Justin, I'm requiring of you in this season to not focus your energy on building big events for the men, but I want you in this season to focus on building bigger men, stronger, dependable, and established. And so, and so that's, where, that's where tonight is starting. This is the beginning of that. And so, and so throughout this year, um, the first Thursdays of every month, um, unless there's maybe, a, probably not in August because it'll be during the Believers Convention, but, but throughout the year for the most part, we're, we're going to be here the first Thursday of every month. Now, every Thursday we might not have pizza. We may have some sort of snack, chips, dips, uh, pretzels, things of that nature. But, but the main thing is that we're all... We're all going to grow this year. We're all going to make a decision and a determination to grow. You know, next level men, when the Lord told me next level men's ministry, and if you didn't get any pizza, there is more pizza here, so if you didn't get it, you're not going to bother me. But if not, you can wait till later to get some more pizza. But, um, but the vision, when he told me about next level men, and, and we had this on the screen here, it says, our purpose is to create opportunities for the men of heritage to come together, to connect, grow, get free, and go to the next level. Our attitude is this. We refuse to go back, give up, or plateau. We will rise and be the champions we were created to be. That's, that's, that, is gonna, that is our motto for next level men's ministry. How many of you want to go to the next level in your life? Amen. I, I, want, I, I want to go to the next level. I, God, God has done amazing things in my life, but you know what? There's more. <laughs> there's more. There's more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Hallelujah. And, and so with this and seeking the Lord about, all right, what, you know, we're going to come together and the Bible said, what, what, would, what do you want me to impart? What, what's on your heart to impart? It's not just about me, because there, yeah, there's things that I could teach on. There's things I've taught on and those things. But he drew me to a book that I read in Bible school. And I've been going through this book with several men in the church, and, and we've been going through it chapter by chapter. And it's this book, The Making of a Champion. This book... If you can get a hold of the principles within this book, it was written by Lester Summerall. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know when it was written, probably, probably mid-80s, maybe late-70s, early-80s, possibly. But this book is about the life of Nehemiah. And so over the next 12 months, we're going to be studying Nehemiah's life. You know, Nehemiah was a... When you look at the, 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 the life of Nehemiah, he was just an ordinary man. He was just an ordinary man that, that just had a determination to fulfill something. You know, he, he, 
He was just an ordinary man like you and me. He wasn't born from, from a, a, a priestly tribe. He wasn't, he wasn't coming from the lineage of a king. He was, he was actually the slave and actually a servant of a foreign king. And now before I get into this tonight, I want to read a, I'm going to read a verse to you. And it's actually the last verse in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 13, verse 31. And it says this. And for the word, wood offering at times appointed... And for the first fruits. Here at the end, Nehemiah is saying all the things that he established since he went in and rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And he says this Remember me, O oh my God, for good. His, his quest at the very end of his life, he was, Lord, I've done all these things. I've done all these things in my life. I just want to, Lord, remember me for good. And I don't know about you, but, but as I think about that, just that last verse, he says, remember me for good. Uh, for, you know, in, in my, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul, you know, when he gets to the end of life, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I, I want to hear that. How about you? I, I want to hear that. And so at the end of his life, that was really his only request. He goes, I've done these things. I've done these things. I've, I've drawn people to you. But my last thing is, Lord, remember me for good. See, a lot of times as, as men and throughout our lives and even childhood, you know, people can label us certain things and, and we can even label ourselves certain things. Maybe if you grew up in a home that wasn't a positive home and, and you, you never heard good words about you or, or good words about the things that you could be or the things that you could do. Maybe, maybe you, you grew up in a great family and in a great home, but because of your own choices and your own decisions, you've told, your, you've told yourself how bad you are. But Nehemiah's quest was just, remember me for good. Remember me for good. You know my favorite scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans of peace and not evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. God has plans for each one of us. But you know, those plans will never be fulfilled if we just remain where we are. Those plans, if I just remained where I was, the moment that I got born again and stayed the same, I would never be where I am today. I had to make a determination to grow. And starting this on, on these Thursday nights, there's been a, a, a challenge that the Lord has ha placed on the inside of me, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this, he says, Paul says this, we do not boast therefore beyond our proper limit over men's labors. But we have the hope and confident expectation that as your faith continues to grow, our field among you may be greatly enlarged. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying, because I want you to get a hold of what my heart is for this ministry and my heart for all of you. The Apostle Paul says that your faith continues to grow. And our, as your faith continues to grow, now listen, our field among you may be greatly enlarged. Now, what I want you to see in this and what this men's ministry is about is as, as you grow in faith, our influence grows as a church. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, as you, as you continue to grow in faith, our field among you is greatly enlarged. You see, see, God has called us as a church to impact this community. So the thing is, is we all need to grow the way that God wants us to grow. Why? So we can great, make greater impact. And that's my heart. As, as our faith continues to grow, our field, our field will expand. 
Amen. I want our field to expand. I want our influence to expand. Just think, Jesus began with, with, with 12 disciples, so to speak. He had a lot more, but there's a lot of them that walked away. And he had really 11 disciples there towards the end. And he, he said this, they're all going to believe on me through your word. Didn't, it wasn't Jesus' word. Jesus, he, said, he said, I pray for not only them, these, these, these 12 disciples, but I'm praying also for all them that will believe on their word. See, there's something, it's not just my word, but there's something in you that the world needs. There's something in you the family needs. There's something in you. And the thing is, is we have to make a decision that we're going to go to another level. And see, a lot of times we discount ourselves because we just look at ourselves as ordinary men. Now, in the center of your table there, you have, there's a piece of paper and there's some pens. So go ahead and pass those pieces of, pieces of paper out. And, um, and in this, in this, uh, on this paper, I need one myself. And there's going to be some notes that you can take and you can take this home with you tonight. If you need one, we might have some, Tony Jordan might have some more copies if you, don't, if you didn't get one. And so there's a few things that you're going to take notes on tonight. And we'll have a challenge as well as I'll, I'll share with. Because, because going to the next level, when the Lord shared with me, he goes, Justin, I just don't want you to deal with their spiritual life. I want you to deal with their natural life. I want you to deal with their, their physical bodies, their finances. And so there's a lot of things that we're going to be challenged with throughout this year, not just coming in, hey, I'm going to hear a great message by pastor. No, there's going to be some things that I'm going to challenge you to do for us. Be, because this is what he told me also. He, he said this. He goes, I want you to challenge the men in every area of their lives Spiritual healthy, soul healthy, physical healthy, pursuing and gaining financial health so that we can minister and serve effectively so we can be church healthy. So healthy in every area of our lives. So what I want to deposit tonight, I want to just start the, start the beginning of this, this book tonight, and, and I'm going to be teaching out of this book, and I'm going to just share some things with you tonight, and, and, and we'll continue the, the, the months after. And I just want to lay the foundation of the importance of what does make a champion? What makes a champion? What will cause you to be a champion in your family? What will cause you to be a champion in your home? What will cause you to be a champion in your business, your workplace? What will cause you to be a champion? As I said, uh, Nehemiah, he was just an ordinary man that served a, a king, a foreign king. But yet he had a heart after God and a compassion for his homeland. Nehemiah's story revealed to us that, he, that God can take ordinary men and make them champions for him. Positions and title are unimportant in the eyes of God. So stop trying to disqualify yourself from greater things. No matter who you are, you can be a champion for God. Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, is a textbook, so to speak, on leadership for any man or woman that wants to live a life that counts. Do you want to live a life that counts? The, the, the story of Nehemiah, this 13 chapters, this, the 13 chapters that we're going to discover over this year, it is a textbook for becoming a champion in life. It, 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 is a, it is a textbook to win in life. It's a textbook to stand strong in the midst of adversity. It's a, it's a textbook to be able to hear God and be obedient in the face when, when everything else is, is falling around, on around you, but still stay the course and not give up. No matter our position in life, we can be true champions who truly make an impact in society. You know, in Nehemiah's story, he was facing familiar circumstances like we face today. 
Now think about this. In all reality, we find ourselves in that same story. In 1948 and up till now, Jews were returning to Jerusalem like they still are today. There has always been enemies to put God's people in bondage. There may not be physical walls falling around Jerusalem, but see that walls have fallen in and throughout our society. Now think about that. Now it may not be walls falling around Jerusalem right now, but what about the walls in our society, the walls in our communities? I mean, if you look at our political races and you look at, you look at our communities and you look at the divisions and you look at, at the hatred and you look at the anger, what, 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 what are you seeing? We're seeing, a, we're seeing walls falling. What are walls? Walls, they're boundaries. It seems in modern day society that, that, that we shouldn't have boundaries. In modern society, there's almost like, wait a minute, boundaries are, are, are wrong. Boundaries, we, we shouldn't have boundaries because, because we, we, have, we, we can do anything we want to do. There's this, this idea that I don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have to honor anyone. There's no respect for authority. And there's this, this, this so to speak, where there's no need for walls. But yet, what are walls? Walls are places of protection. It keeps the enemy out, keeps safety in. There's safeguards. A lot of times people look at the Ten Commandments as some sort of boundaries that are, are legalism. But really, to me, the Ten Commandments, they're principles that produce successful living. You know, the commandments that were given by God weren't, weren't, weren't things to necessarily be a taskmaster to us. They were things that saying, hey, if you can, you, can, you can heed to these things, it will bring about a successful life. Now, we know we couldn't do it in our own ability, so that's why he had to send Jesus. But that doesn't mean that those same principles don't produce successful living. Because really what it comes down to is because of no boundaries, there's a spiritual aimlessness that threatens our modern society. And it touches every civilization at every level. And it reveals that walls need to be rebuilt. Say that with me. Walls need to be rebuilt. The walls that so desperately need to be rebuilt are the walls of righteousness Morality and holiness. Look at history. When these things were not in place, those things were righteousness, morality, and holiness. If we look at history, when these things were not in place or pursued, it eventually became the downfall of society. And I'm telling you, you, you if a society happens long, if a, if a society is sustained long enough. And those walls of righteousness, morality, and holiness fall. Eventually, society falls. Jeff, can you go ahead and show that picture? I know I'm just reading a lot to you, but there's, there's important points I want you to walk away with tonight. Now, can everyone see this picture? Has anyone ever seen this picture before? Anyone? This right here was uh, from before first century A.D. And I've been to this place two different times, and it's in Turkey. And found in a town that we often read, read about through the writings of Paul in a town called Ephesus. And this is in Ephesus, and this, is actually, this was actually the first advertising and this advertising here became the downfall of society. The, uh, Ephesus was founded uh, around the 10th century B.C., and yet it was totally abandoned 
by 15th century A.D. And so really about 1,400 years, so to speak, after Jesus had come, or actually less than that, the society no longer existed. It's just abandoned. And then in the late 80s, it was actually excavated. And we now, you now can go see the ruins of Ephesus. But this right here, just a, some weird things on, a, on some pavement. But what they come to find out, this is actually the first advertising. Now, can anyone guess, what, what is it advertising? Anyone get, guess what that's advertising? A pedicure? <laughs> That's good. Sandals? <laughs> well, what this is actually advertising is directions to the town's brothel. This is actually advertising the town's brothel. You see the foot, and it's actually the left foot. That means it's on the left side. If you look above the foot, there's a cross there, and that means it's at the intersection. So if you go in the street, and then see, you have the woman on, on the right there, and you see the, the box underneath her. Well, up on your left side, you have what looks like a heart, right? That's a heart. It has all kinds of dots in it. Well, you can't really see on the picture, but at the very top, it's out of the screen, but there's a hole there. And there's, there's these little dots coming from the heart into the hole. And what this means is if you go down the street, on the left side at the intersection, you will find... The brothel, that's the woman. Now, on the left side where the heart is, all those things in the hearts in there represents money. And that hole was a certain amount of inches deep. And it meant that if you had enough money to fit in that hole, you had enough money to buy affection. So you would know where the brothel is, and you'd also know how much it costs to get some. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? This is in the first century B.C., but yet it became the downfall of the nation. Paul stayed here and established Timothy here as the pastor. Paul would preach to thousands of people. The biggest megachurch, mega, there was a megachurch. They said everything between five and 10,000 people would attend Paul's speaking daily. He ended up being thrown in prison in, in, this, in, 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 in Ephesus. And later established Timothy as the pastor. And so now we know why Paul kept going to Timothy and trying to encourage him, man, don't give up. Don't, don't let go. Hey, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You know? And so Paul is continuing to encourage Timothy. Why? Because this is where Timothy is. And the walls of society are falling. The walls of society are falling. You know, I'm going to go ahead and read this to you because... For sake, just so I get it right here. Now, the description of the woman tells us what one can find there. And the hole in the upper left of the location of the brothel with the coin-filled purse tells us that if you have enough money to fill the cavity, you could buy her affection. The box underneath the woman symbolizes the library that was opposite the brothel, meaning that if you had no money, there was always the library. Now get this, essentially it's an ancient version of if you have no money, you get no honey. Even those with the cash to spend were thankful for the location of the second biggest library in ancient Rome. See, Rome initially established Ephesus and it was the second biggest library in the world. They had over 200,000 ancient scrolls. 
And this library was directly across the street from the brothel. I've been there. I've been to that library. Well, the ruins of it. Man, the the amazing, the technology that they had back in there to have heating and the way they heated things. They would heat rooms by running hot water through the walls. It's amazing, the thing in the underground, first underground sewer system. I mean, amazing things in, in, this, in Ephesus in the first century. And, and so you see this, and, and with the library, you get this, because I, I, I saw it. It says, it says, there's a secret passage between the library and the broth, brothel that meant that even the most frequent visits could be guised as a love for literature. This became the downfall of a society. So anytime that, that you... You, we take down any walls as it pertains to righteousness, holiness, and morality. We bring destruction into our world. That br- it brings destru- destruction into our world. And people say, well, it, just a little bit is okay. Or just a little bit, it, it's okay. Well, they're, they're, just, they're just this or they're just that. Well, well, God still loves me. Yeah, I know he still loves you, but the thing is that he wants you to change. He saved us and redeemed us, not so we would stay the same, but so we would be changed, right? And so we have to, we have to understand that the walls in our society are only going to be strong by the people that choose to hold up those walls. And so you and I, if we're going to go to the next level and we're going to be a champion in life, it's going to be up to us to make sure that we understand those walls of righteousness, those walls of morality, and those walls of holiness. Now, I'm not talking about perfection, I'm talking about, see, Nehemiah wasn't a perfect man. He had a heart after God. He had a heart to pursue God. And I'm so excited when we get into his life because I'm just dealing with the, the foundation of what making a champion is all about. And we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of his life and what made him a champion. So where are champions who will re- rebuild these walls? Where are the ones that will rise and unite God's people and overcome the division that's threatening to leave our cities, our families, and our communities in ruin. You know, a lot of times we, we, can, be, we can be so nonchalant and we just worry about ourselves. And, and yet there, there, there is that there aspect that we have to focus on, on ourselves at some point. But the thing is, is we need to be praying for our society. We need to be praying for our communities. We need to be praying I, I love in, in the first chapter in Nehemiah, he, that Nehemiah, and even, through, even throughout Nehemiah, we'll get into it later, but the thing is, is he didn't, he didn't blame everyone else for the broken walls of Jerusalem. He, he didn't say, okay, God, I've been over here in this foreign land, and, and you know, it's not my fault. It's not my fault that these walls are, it's not my fault that these walls are, are, are burning. It's not my fault that they're, they're breaking. No, what did he do when he realized that he repented on behalf of the whole nation? Because he said, these are my people. And I'm going to repent on behalf of them. We, we need to come to a place where we take responsibility for our families. We take responsibility for our community. We take responsibility for our churches. We take responsibility and we're going to hold a standard. And this is how we're going to live. And this is how we're going to do things. And this is how we're going to, this is how I'm going to live. Yeah. Kind of like that same, that same tenacity that, that, that Joseph had. He goes, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against my God? See, it's raising that standard. Where do you find champions? See, the problem with our society is there's shortages of true champions. Throughout even my life, it's hard to see what are true champions. You know, because growing up, you, you look at the superstar. You look, you look at the athlete. 
You look at the Kanye West. You look at the you, you look at the Elvises. You look at the the different ones, and you and you're like, man, I, I want that. I, I I want I want that. I want man, man, if I could be. And so we 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 all of a sudden we look at 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 true a true champion as someone that has been successful on the outside, but the question, how is the rest of their life? I, I remember Dr. Savell telling a story. He he went and he ministered to the to the uh, San Francisco 49ers. It was the year that uh, it was the year they went. It was the year after they won uh, one of the Super Bowls. It was Jerry Rice and and uh, Craig, I think, was the running back. Joe Montana and and here they are. They, here they are. The next year after they won that, <clears throat> and Doctor walks in and he's doing a <coughs> um, what, what do they call it a chapel, and he goes in there and he says he goes he goes he goes you are champions right. And, he, and I don't remember all the scenario and what he, what he built within them and what he said to them, but really what it came down to, he said, he goes, but are you a champion at home? Are you a champion with your wife? Are you a champion with your children? And he says, I know you're not. He said, because I get calls from your wives. And, and, it, really, and it really struck them, and so many of them stopped him after and saying, man, we needed, we needed to be challenged because we really felt, because they felt like, hey, we're, we're the best. But yeah, they didn't realize the rest of the world was crumbling. And the thing is, as a pastor, I don't want any part of your life to crumble. Why? Because I want to see the walls of our community built. But, but we've been so ingrained to what a true champion's not. You know, we, they can glorify someone like Elvis or glorify someone like Michael Jackson. Yeah, and I don't belittle their talent or belittle their entertainment value and what they had, but, but, but there's, they're not true champions. They're not true champions. True champion is, is someone that's far beyond just what they do on the outside. A true champion is someone so much than, it's so beyond their magnetism. It's so beyond their wit, their, their humor, their finances, their, their success their bank account, it's so much beyond that. What is a champion? A champion is a man of character. A champion is a man of character. It's a person of character. Nehemiah's success came because he was a man of character. He refused to compromise moral integrity no matter what the cost. People that God used through scripture weren't perfect people, but they were those that had hearts towards him. He used faithful Abraham, but yet not selfish Lot. He used David, but not Saul, to bring down Goliath. Jesus probably bypassed intellectual religious leaders, instead choosing ordinary men from different backgrounds that had sincere, hungry hearts. That's who Jesus chose. Ordinary men with different backgrounds that had sincere and hungry hearts. God's just looking for a heart. Saying, I'm not perfect, but I want you to perfect me. I want you to change me. I want to be like the one say, follow you and I'll make you fishers of men and, and be able to set everything down and say, okay, I'm with you. That's a champion. A champion is someone that may not go where everyone else goes. A champion is someone that may stand up when everyone is sitting down. I, I, had, a, I had a Bible school, came and taught in the Bible school. His name was Mal Fletcher. 
And, and he made a statement, and he, he was teaching about influence and what it means to be an influence. And, and, and he gave the defin, his definition of influence. He says, you know what influence is? He says, anyone that will, will stand up in their generation. No, I, he says, you know what a champion is? I apologize. He says, you know what a champion is? He says, anyone that stands up in their generation says, I will be a godly influence. That's what a champion is. Some say, you know what? I'll be different. I'll be different. No one else will pray, I'll pray. No one else will, will pray for this person, I'll pray for that person. No one else will go to minister them, I'll minister that person. They, they, yeah, you say they're a harp, yeah, I'll, I'll be the one to do that. Well, no, well, no, one, no one showed them to do that. You know, I, well, I'll be the one to do that. I'll, I'll be the one to, to, to step in. I'll be, the one to, I'll be the one to build the wall. I'll, I'll be the one. How many people like Nehemiah had a good idea and thought it would be good to build the wall but not have the tenacity and determination to say, I'll be the one to do it. No one in, in Jerusalem that lived there decided to rebuild the walls. It took someone in another city that had in fear and trembling to go to a king and say, and the king said, what's wrong, man? I'm sad, man, I... My walls are broken down and the, and the people are being taken. And the king says, here, I'll give you everything you need. Everything you need to build it. I'll even give you the past, how to get through the city and through the forest. And I'll give you my seal to do it. He wasn't even in the city. It took someone outside of the city. So you know what? I'll be the one to do it. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. You may be the only person in the generations of your family that has ever served God. You may be the, the only one that never, ne- never went to college, but, you know, be the one. Well, I, I'm never the one that to step out and, 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 and go beyond where I, yeah, I, man, I never thought I could pre- do professional sports. I never thought I could do this. Well, you be the one. You be the one. Too often we're waiting for someone else to be the one. Amen. You be the one. A lot of times in churches, it's, it's like, well, I'm just waiting for someone else to do it. I'm just waiting for someone else to. Well, I heard pastors say that. Well, I'm just waiting for someone else to do it. I don't really know if I want to do that. Wait, if God is, came up here, man, you do it. Might be someone you work with or someone you go to school with or, or someone you frequently around and, and no one likes them. You be the one. There was this lady that worked at the 7-Eleven here at, at Sycamore School. It was a number of years ago. And this lady was hateful. She was hateful. She worked there I don't know how many years. And, and it was this, she was just this wonderful African-American lady. And we would go in there and we'd get Slurpees all the time. And every time, I mean, she would just always have this attitude. And like, like you were like ruining her day because you wanted to buy a Slurpee. <laughs> and and it, she just had this anger. And I made a determination made a determination, you know what? I don't like necessarily the, the, the terminology, but you, you get what I mean. I'm going to kill her with kindness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one every day when I go in there or when I go in there, I'm going to make her day. And eventually, I'm going to make her laugh and I'm going to make her smile. See, because you don't know what she goes home to. You don't know why she's working there. You don't know what, what things. You, you, you don't know, but maybe you need to be the one that makes a difference. Come on. Don't wait for someone else. 
you be the one. See, Nehemiah had to be the one. But if he just saw him, well, I'm just ordinary Nehemiah, and I'm, 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 in, I'm a slave to King Artaxerxes here, and, and yeah, I can't do anything. How many times do we think about that? How many times do we belittle ourselves and disqualify ourselves because we maybe think that we can't do it or we think that someone else could do it better? You know, Keith Moore, he, uh, he tells a story. Going my, off my notes here. He tells a story when he was in Bible school and there was hundreds of people in Bible school and him and Phyllis Moore had shown up to, to the Bible school and, and he was there, I, th- I think it was about six months into his first year of Bible school and he's, he's uh, uh, hearing Kenneth Hagin and, <clears throat> and he, he sat there and <clears throat> Kenneth Hagin said, you know, we're wanting to start a, heal th- a, a, a healing and a counseling center. And a, a healing center and, and dealing with counseling and, and healing and things like that. And, he, and when Keith Moore was sitting there, he was like, he was like, man, something went off on me. He goes, I want to do that. Ah, man, man, man. And he's looking around and, and he's saying, man, but I bet everybody else in here wants to do it too. And, and so he's, wow, I'll put my name in. And he, and, he, and he said, you know what? Only two people. Only two people. Because the Lord said, he goes, he goes why did I get picked? He goes, he goes, you thought that everyone else wanted it but you were the one. See, there's a lot of people that, yeah, that had, how many people had the thought of Keith Moore that said, yeah, I'd like to do that, but yet didn't put their name down or didn't show up. Like what Rick, Rick says, he goes, you know, through, through Nancy Dufresne said, sometimes, sometimes you miss your greatest visitation by just showing up. Yeah. You know, some of the greatest things I've experienced in God is when I did things I didn't want to do. Presence of God show up in a place in, in, a, in, a, in a greater way when I didn't want to do something, like Walmart. And like, I, I can get people here to, healed in Walmart for some reason. They don't get healed at the altar, but at Walmart, hey. It's obedience. Obedience releases the impossible. But it, it takes you determining to be the one. You being the one. A person of character. What does a person of character look like and act like? Actually, before that, I want to read, I want to read something to you out of this. And so th- through this, we're not going to read this book together, but I want you to get the heartbeat behind what's being written. And so I'll share things what the Lord directs me to and some things out of this, and, and we'll go back and forth as the, Lord, as the Lord directs. But I want to read just this last page of chapter one. He says, I know success or failure in my ministry does not depend on my own skill or even on external circumstance. It depends only on my faithfulness. Now, I'll give you some reference to <clears throat> Lester Summerall. When he was young, the Lord told him to go out and go in ministry. He only had a few dollars. He was in Kansas. And the Lord told him to go to Australia and follow and get connected with a man named Howard Carter. With a few dollars, he showed up to California, got on a boat, had no money, showed up in California. And all of a sudden, Howard Carter shows up, and he starts traveling all through Eastern Asia and Tibet back in the early 1900s, traveling in Tibet on horseback through Australia, throughout Asia, through, throughout communist countries, just because he got a word in Kansas saying, go follow Howard Carter. Howard Carter has some of the greatest revelations on the gifts of the Spirit, but you probably never heard of him. 
Howard Carter would be in the same class as a Smith Wigglesworth or the John G. Lake. Lester Summerall used to go and spend time. Uh, Howard Carter took him to meet uh, 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 Smith Wigglesworth in England at, at, in this journey. And Lester Summerall would go over and, and spend time with Lester Summerall, spend time with, with Smith Wigglesworth. And so he says this, he goes, he goes, my own skill or even external circumstance, it depends only on my faithfulness. I mean, he, he said, it didn't matter about his skill, it didn't matter everything he could do. It didn't matter about his circumstances, but it had everything to do with my faithfulness. So you may not feel like you have the skill or the talent, but you know what? He uses faithfulness. God will give the gifts the necessary to do whatever he calls me to do, and he will not be hindered in his work by, by circumstance. Years ago, when I first sensed the call of God to preach, many people tried to dissuade me. My own father mocked me and told me I would starve to death. I overheard another close relative say that I would never be a preacher in a thousand years. Everyone just seemed to think that I would fail. Consequently, I began to wonder if they might be right. But you can't be a champion by retreating all the time. And I knew in my heart that God was calling, what God was calling me to do. I've never regretted stepping out in faith either. God has supplied all my needs and people have been more responsive to my ministry than I ever thought possible. My whole life is proof that what makes the most sense to human wisdom is not necessarily God's will. I want to be a champion for God in my sphere of influence, and I hope that the desire of your heart is too. As we look together at making of a champion, Nehemiah will be our teacher. His lessons are easy to understand, but difficult to apply. Listen, his, the lessons are easy to understand, but difficult to apply. Study with me his life and the written legacy he left us. Drink in the simple truth he has to teach. Above all, purpose to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. It will surely be painful to see our shortcomings in the light of Nehemiah's example, and, it is certain, and it's certain to be costly to follow his footsteps. Now, think about that. It will surely be painful to see our shortcomings in the light of Nehemiah's example, but it's not to condemn us. And the next thing, and it's certain to be costly to follow his footsteps, meaning it's going to cost us something to be a person of cha- uh, be, a, be a champion. The question is, are you willing to bear the pain and pay the price? How you answer will ultimately determine whether you are a true champion or just a pretender. Wow. How we answer. Are we, gonna, are we going to follow the examples of Nehemiah? Or are we going we to we pay the cost? And that's not, a, it's not, a, it's not pain, that's not sickness, it's not disease, but it's about faithfulness. It's a cost. It costs to be faithful. It costs to do something when no one else is doing it. Obedience costs. I don't bet you, but I, I don't want to be a pretender. <laughs> I want to be a true champion. So a person that's a champion is a person of character. So what does a person of character look like? And these five things are what we're going to establish in our hearts over the next year. Give me a year of your life and me on the same journey with you. And I'm telling you, we're going to go to amazing places. Give me a year. Give this church a year of your life. Number one, step up. Person of character, what do they do? They step up. Be a man of action. Assume it is your job and your moment. 
hate apathy, reject passivity, and refuse to live as a spectator in life. These are things we're going to learn throughout this year. Number two, speak out. Silence in the midst of sin is a sin. Be courageous. Fear God, not man. Speak the truth in love. The third thing that we're going we're gonna to learn, it's going to become part of our character. We're going to stand strong. Don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. Above all, refuse to compromise. Number four, stay humble. Be vigilant against pride. Get the log out of your eye. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Let me say that again. Be vigilant against pride. Get the log out of your eye. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. And the fifth thing that we're going to learn through this this year is to be part of our, our, our character is serve the king. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, his righteousness. Hope in the eternal and live for a greater reward. Step up. Speak out. Stand strong, stay humble, serve the king. You know, you can fold that piece of paper in half. You can, don't have to, but put it on the mirror in your bathroom. Maybe in your car and you're sitting in traffic. Speak this over yourself. What kind of man am I? I'm a man that steps up. I'm a man of action. I assume it's my job, and it's, and it's my moment right now. I hate apathy. I reject passivity, and I refuse to live as a spectator in life. Confess these things over your life, because as we learn the principles of Nehemiah's life, you know, it, you know the, the guys that we've been going through this book, the handful of guys that have been going through this book with me, they'll tell you, man, this book tell you, will challenge you, because it gets down the nuts and bolts of being the man God's created us to be, to be the move of God he's called us to be. Amen. To rebuild the walls in our community, whatever that might look like. So keep these things before you. As I said, as I said a minute, you know, earlier, I want to challenge you in every area of your life. And so with that, not just spiritually, but I want to challenge you with some, some practical things as well. We have 28 days between now and our next meeting. So I want you to read one, one chapter in the book of Acts for the next 28 days. The second thing, I want you to exercise 15 minutes a day for at least five days a week. And we're going to elaborate some on these as we go, go in the future, give you some other why. Why is that important to exercise 15 to 20 minutes a day? You know, Rick and I were talking about it today. It's a proven fact. If, if you get your heart rate up, 15 to 20 minutes a day, you'll live longer. And so just getting your heart rate up 20%, that could be just walking for 15 minutes. You know, there, there's things that I do. You know, I didn't, didn't have a gym membership for the longest time, so I went on YouTube and I found some, I found, I said, and I don't have any weight, so I was like, okay, what can I do to work out? All right, I, I, went, to, I went to YouTube and I said, and I, I put in, okay, workouts with no weights. Man, and I found this, I found this is a 22-minute workout, but it was, but it was really, the workout part was only 13 minutes, and it's only four different things. And when I got done, I was sweating, and I was hurting for two days. But it was 13 minutes. 
And it was just four different types of push-ups. Then I found another one that was only 10 minutes. Six different push-ups in 10 minutes. And I'm telling you, you'd be hurting. And you didn't have to pay for a gym to do it. So people use too many excuses of why I can't do this or why I can't. Walk around your living room for 15 minutes. You don't have any, you're not working right now or you, you have, come to the church and you can walk around the auditorium and pray for 20 minutes. You know, I, I have an app that it, it's, 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 it's a run app and, and man, it, it tells me how long I've run. It tells me how many calories I've burned. It tells me how fast I'm going. Man, I just keep going. You know, and, and so, so these things, it's challenging yourself and, and I want to challenge you because, because the thing is, if we're going to fulfill the call in our life, we have to be healthy. We can't die young. Our families need us. Our children, our children need us. We have to be healthy. Do everything we can to be healthy. And, and the last thing is, make a decision to fast a specific food for the next 28 days. You know, my wife and I, we do a Daniel fast at the beginning of every year, and we also do one in September. And that's just no, no dairies, that's no meats, that's no white, white bread, that's uh, no sugars, and, and we do that. And I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just that saying, saying, pick one thing. Maybe go without sodas for, for something. Go without caffeine. Go without uh, sugar. Go out without a fried food or go without something. for. Go without going to Starbucks for a month. Go without, uh, you know, eating fast food for a month or, or you know, just, just something. <clears throat> I just want to challenge you to do something to, to wreck your routine. That's what this is about, wrecking your routine so God can rebuild something. And, and, and if we just stay in our routine, then we never change. So, so I, I want to specifically challenge you, wreck your routine, and think differently. And as we do, think spiritually, physically, and it will change emotionally. And all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, you'll see things, you'll start doing things different financially. All of one, why? Because now you're more sensitive to God. You're more sensitive to his word. And you start hearing his voice like you never heard his voice. It's all because you chose to give something up and replace it with more him. Amen? amen. And so, Amen. Well, I'm so glad you're here tonight. You know, with that, uh, we'll pass these around. Um, who can get, give me a hand real quick. Just put a, a stack of these at each table. This is actually a, a, just a calendar. And today's Thursday, if you didn't know. And this is a, this is a month. And so you can, you can just, just jot down, just to make yourself accountable and say, when, when you did your exercises, you know, what you chose not to eat or whatever, and, and just, and, and, you, know, I, you know, just put a check. I, I read the word. Just make yourself accountable. You, uh, it's, it's on the bottom of your paper. It's on, the bo- it's on the bottom of the page. Read one chapter in the book of Acts for the next 28 days. Exercise 15 minutes a day, at least five days a week. And make a decision to fast a specific food for the next 28 days. See, I talk about fasting food and I serve you pizza, right? <laughs> for the last time, right? <laughs> no, we'll do, we'll do other things, but... Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Do you receive this tonight? Do you receive this challenge? How many people you enjoy this tonight? Uh, I mean, uh, like I said it's it's different for me. Usually, I I I, I preach and just follow my heart and, and, and things like that. But I know there's specific things the Lord wants me to do out of here, so that you may see me read some things. But then there's some things I'll go off in the things I know the Lord's given me, you know, uh, for us as a, as a church as well. Because I want to I want to be led by the Spirit as we go through this, and not just be a talking head up here, but that we're doing things on purpose for a specific reason. 
And I'm excited about the turnout tonight. And you know, I, I believe that I believe that this this Thursday night thing can, we can we can we can we can grow to where we have we have 400 men <clears throat> every Thursday night in, in that building over there, and we have a full worship team, and we do a men's encounter once a month on a Thursday night. See, I, I, have, I, have, I have we have vision that this can be a lot bigger than just well, just we have about 40, 50 guys come together. And we have, no, this can this can be to where this impacts our community. And you're bringing the people you work with, and you've seen people you work with saved, and people that, that, that you have accounts with get saved, and, 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 then, and, and, what, and what does that do? That's building walls in our community. And so get a vision of this next level men's meeting with me. And it, and it starts with us. It starts with us being faithful to this, and, and that we're going to grow, and seeing what God, where God wants to take this in, in uh, the rest of this year and years to come. It, it'd be something if, if all of a sudden we, we have 150 people next, next month, 75 people next, next month. But he said, we're just, we're just going to pursue God and be everything he's called us to be, and we're going to go to the next level. Amen. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's on my heart to have a, have a visitor here tonight, and he, his first time to church was on Sunday, and I want to give this book to Carl. It's uh, Dr. Savell's new book. It's called A Life of Faith. Amen. Awesome. Come on, <clears throat> Man. And uh, hallelujah. Just for a moment, you're at a ta- table. Just turn around in, in a circle, and, and, uh, and before, you, before we, we start praying... I want you, if you have any, any, specific, any specific prayer requests, any, any specific prayer requests, you know, just, just make them known within, within, your, within your circle, within your group. We can pray over one another. Hallelujah. Don't be shy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just, just say, just say, brothers, stand in agreement, agreement with me about my family. Stand in agreement with me, you know, Lord. I just say, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're you're needing a job. You know, just 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 voice that within your group. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There, there's nothing. This this is this is a safe place. This is a safe harbor. There's power in agreement. It's not a lack of faith if you're asking for prayer. It's not a lack of faith. The word tells us that if you have need of anything. Go to those elders in the church and, and make your request known. And the prayer of faith would save the sick. I, I, I see within each, each group here, I, I see leaders that are in each group here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wash over this place, Father. Wash over this place tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, you're faithful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that you're building the walls in our lives. You're strengthening the walls in our lives. Oh, Father, we make a determination to follow hard after you. We make a determination. And let you know, Father, that we're willing to be the, that champion. We're willing to be the champion that you created each one of us to be. Lord, I thank you for strength in this church body. 
strengthen every man in this place, Lord, that they're strong in you. That there's any weaknesses in them, Lord, I thank you that you're at work in them. And they're becoming stronger and stronger day by day. And I thank you, Father, throughout this year, the enemy that has tried to plague them with temptations and, 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 and failures and, and disappointments from year after year. I thank you that, that throughout this year, they'll come to a place where they will see those things no longer. But they'll be strong. Strong in the Lord and the power of your might, Father. I declare we're going to the next level. 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 Hallelujah. Whatever that looks like, we're going to the next level. Hallelujah. Whatever that is in your eyes, God, we go there. We're going there, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just a couple announcements before we dismiss. I, uh, two things. <clears throat> you can be seated just real quick. Just two things. Uh, if you're a, a Thrive Group leader, just stand to your feet real quick. I'm not sure. Tommy's not here. I didn't see Tommy. <laughs> I, feel, I get that all the time, Levy, man. It's all good. Uh, not all of me here tonight, um, but just be encouraged on the 15th, we'll be starting our Thrive Groups up again, so be encouraged. If you haven't and your family haven't got involved in a Thrive Group yet, I encourage you to get connected with that. You go to our website, you can see the, the Thrive Groups that are available, the times, the contact numbers, and how to get plugged in with that. Also, um, we'll be talking about more, you can be seated. Uh, uh, also, we'll be talking about more in the future of how to get plugged in with it, but we also have a ministry uh, that we, we started really over a, more than a year ago, and it's something that Jim and some guys and, and also women in the church have been running with, and we call it Helping Hands. And it's really an outreach within our church. And it's really, the main thing was started mainly for single moms and, or, and for widows. Um, to really, uh, whether it comes to helping them move, we've had all sorts of scenarios where <clears throat> if you have a skill, we've had things from, you know, uh, helping uh, single moms, excuse me, Single moms or widows help repair their cars, buy uh, hot water heaters, fix drywall. Um, Jim could give you, give, give you a list of all the things that we do, uh, clean, clean houses. Um, we're trying to get every aspect of our church involved in this to be able to help minister to the, to the people within our church body. And we call it Helping Hands. And, and so, uh, Jim, if you have a sheet of paper, just afterwards, if you're not already on his list of people that he calls, I want you to see him before you leave today. Uh, because when we help people move, a lot of times it ends up being the same people over and over again. And sometimes we can end up having four moves a month and, and things like that. And I don't want people to be exhausted and saying, oh, another move. It's another Saturday. You've got to help someone move. And I don't, I don't want it to be a, a drudgery because I believe in a church of 400 people, uh, we should have plenty of people uh, to be able to, to, to spread, the, spread the wealth around, so to speak, and everyone doing their part. And, and so if you have a skill of any sort, whether it's construction, maintenance, uh, um, mechanical, uh, electrical, plumbing, um, you know, just, hey, I can help move, uh, wh- whatever it is, a truck, uh, whatever the case is, see Jim after the service. We can get your name and your number so we can help you be a part of, of this amazing opportunity 
to be a blessing to, to single moms and widows within the church. Amen. Amen. So see Jim afterward for that. And amen. Hallelujah. Don't forget Sunday morning. Continue talking about staying in faith and praise. Amen. Man, God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, I really enjoy tonight. I'm excited about what God's going to do. Man. And there'll be, there'll be some times throughout this year where there'll be somebody else that will be sharing, sharing things and chapters out just besides me as well. And, and so, um, you know, just other people will tap into some of the other, other people's gifts as well. And, um, and excited about where this men's ministry is going to go. Amen. With that, we love you guys. Have a great week. I forget anything.